take a lamb, uh, and they're to uh, uh, slay it, they're to do certain things with it, they take the blood and put it on the doorpost, they're to roast it, um, have it ready and prepared for a meal, they're not to leave any of it left over, they're to partake of all of it, um, and uh, so many things that God is very, very specific on. But we made a statement last week, and that was this, that in every house, it doesn't matter whether it was an Egyptian house or a house of an Israelite, in every house, death was present on the night of the Passover. And oftentimes when we read the story, we think, well, no, the Israelites, they escaped death. And yes, they did escape death, but death was still in their house, wasn't it? Because there had to be the death of a sacrifice. And I don't know if we always understand this, that while our salvation is free, it sure cost an awful lot. That death was still necessary. That there was still the shedding of blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that had to take place for you and I to be redeemed. Unless we begin to think of our deliverance and our redemption as something that is not a costly thing, we need to fully understand that it took the death of our precious Savior. We need to understand these things. And we get to verse number 29, where we left off last week, Exodus chapter 12, verse number 29. And it came to pass that at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn of the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne under the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of cattle. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians. There was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. He called for Moses and Aaron. I love this. The Bible says by night, doesn't he? I mean, he wasn't going to wait till the next morning. You remember back when the plague of the frogs came? You remember that? And, and he called uh, Moses and Aaron in. He said, uh, I need you to entreat the Lord for us. And Moses said, okay, I will do it. We'll go and entreat the Lord for you. When do you want us to do it? He said, I want you to do it tomorrow. I, I, I heard years ago there was a guy that wrote a song called One More Night with the Frogs. And uh, the idea that, you know, it was it's humorous to me almost to think that why would Pharaoh decide he wanted to wait until the next day for that plague to be stayed? And yet here we come to this plague. And the plague happens after midnight. And the Bible says that he calls Moses and Aaron by night. God has finally done his work in the heart of Pharaoh. And said, Rise up and get you forth from among my people, both ye and the children of Israel, and go and serve the Lord as ye have said. Now, I want, to, I want you to understand a couple things here. Uh, this is the first plague that Pharaoh has come to Moses and Aaron and said, I want you to go. All the others, Pharaoh and Aaron came, or, uh, Moses and Aaron came to Pharaoh and said, let my, God said, let my people go. And he was telling Pharaoh that he needed to let the Israelites go. This is the first one that Pharaoh is coming to him and saying to Moses and Aaron, uh, I want you all to get out of here. And he makes this statement, and it's interesting to me, verse number 31. He says, and go and serve the Lord. Now, if you have a King James Bible, which is our preserved, divinely preserved Word of God, amen, it's an all-capital name, isn't it? Even Pharaoh finally recommends or understands God is not only a God, but the God. This is the use of God's name expressing that He is the God of all gods. The Bible, it's not dealing with just His position, but it's dealing with who He is. The Bible says this, as ye have said, and also take your flocks and your herds, as ye have said, and be gone, <clears throat> and bless me also. You see that? Here is Pharaoh. 
asking for Moses and Aaron on their way out, would you bless me? There's a big stark turnaround there, isn't there? By the way, can I tell you this? There are some people in this world today that can deny God all day long, but when the end of the time comes, the Bible says according to the book of Philippians chapter number 2, and, and or chapter 2, that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is what? He's Lord, isn't He? He is Lord. It doesn't matter if there's an atheist or an agnostic. It doesn't matter if there's somebody out here that denies God entirely. There will come a day where they will finally bow to Him and say, He is Lord. And by the way, wouldn't it be far better if you and I would go ahead and do that now than to have to be required to do that later? Uh, yeah, I've shared the story years ago of uh, Charles Weigel who uh, had a music conservatory dedicated to him at Tennessee Temple University years ago. And on the dedication day, they had made an apartment for him in the music conservatory. And one of the preachers was there on the dedication day that had spoken. And he was walking through the hallway and passed by the little apartment that they had built for him. And they heard a commotion inside. Brother Weigel was 82, I think, years old at the time, in his 80s. And he was worried about Brother Weigel, and they knocked on the door and didn't get an answer, so they cracked the door open. They saw Brother Weigel up on his bed, jumping up and down, saying, Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! Glory! Hallelujah! He's jumping up and down. And the fellow walked in and said, Brother Weigel, what are you doing? He said, I'm just practicing for heaven. Just practicing for heaven. Can I tell you this? There's going to come a day where all of us are going to kneel at the feet of Jesus. And let me tell you something, that's going to be a precious day. You know, we think of that sometimes, we think, boy, I don't want to have to kneel. I've got that stubborn will in me still. Oh, no, it's going to be a precious thing, isn't it? Just think of stepping on shore and finding it heaven, of touching a hand and finding it God's, of breathing new air and finding it celestial, of waking up in glory and finding it home. Can you imagine, I think it was Fanny Crosby that said that she longed to see her Savior, first of all. And the idea that when we get to heaven, one of these days, we're going to see the Lord Jesus Christ for the first time. I've never seen Him before, but I'm excited to. And I don't know what I'm going to do. I really don't. But I, I'm excited about it, aren't you? To be able to see Him for the very first time. To see the prints of the marks of the cross that are on Him. To be able to express our undying love to Him. And, uh, boy, there's going to come a time, isn't there? There's going to come a time. And I think it ought to do us well in this life to be able to lift him up to a lost and a dying world. You know, I, my friend, Brother Wayne Corfman, says this. He says, I'm never afraid or ashamed or embarrassed to talk about the ones that I love. Isn't it amazing how often we're embarrassed or we're timid about sharing things about the Lord Jesus Christ to others? Oh, that we would just rejoice in Him. You know what would happen to a world where some Christians would stand up and say, not only do we believe He's God, but we believe He's our Savior. And we love Him with all of our hearts. And He's loved this world so much that He died on the cross for every man, every woman, every child. doesn't matter. doesn't matter what race you are. Everybody talks about racial inequality. doesn't matter how wealthy or how poor you are. People talk about social uh, separation and divisions and all this stuff going on today. Can I tell you, I'm thankful God is not a respecter of persons, aren't you? Even though He came to the house of Israel, He allowed the Gentiles to be grafted in. And boy, I don't know about y'all, but I'm, I'm thankful for that. 
I'm excited about the fact that I'm saved. And I, I'll tell you, I think one of the great travesties of the day that we live in is that we live in a world that we're supposed to be salt and light in and Christians walk around and never express the goodness of God. They never, they never show off to the world all, all, all that God is. They don't, we don't talk about Him all that we should. We love fellowshipping among ourselves and our church family. and we, we get together and we talk about how good God is. But when's the last time we did that with our neighbor across the fence from us? When's the last time we talked to our waitress or somebody that we met out in public and we began to just talk about how good God is and about His love for them? There's going to come a time where every single one of them are going to know Him. They're going to know who He is. And Pharaoh, of all people, he tells Moses and Aaron, he says, I want you to bless me. I want you to bless me. Verse number 33, the Egyptians were urgent upon the people that they might send them out of the land in haste, for they said, we, we be all dead men. And the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading troughs being bound up in their clothes upon their shoulders. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses. They borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. And the Lord gave to the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they lent unto them such things as they required, and they spoiled the Egyptians. By the way, just let me mention this in passing. God will always get His glory. He's always going to get His glory. And there's no difference in this, as He certainly has uh, been elevated in the eyes of the Egyptians. In verse number 37, it says, And the children of Israel journeyed from Ramesses to Sukkoth, about 600,000 on foot that were men beside children. And a mixed multitude went up with them. It's a wonderful picture of redemption. We just mentioned it a moment ago, but there were more than Jews that left Egypt. There were those that knew that He was the God of the Israelites and said, we want Him to be our God also. And these folks were able to come with the children of Israel. In fact, he gives some instructions about that a little bit later in the chapter here. Isn't it amazing that God doesn't just select certain people to be saved and certain people not to be saved? That He said, whosoever will may come. I love that whosoever will. If it weren't for that whosoever will, I wouldn't be saved today. I'm so thankful that God makes it available to all men. And a mixed multitude went up also with them, and flocks and herds, and even much cattle. And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough which they brought forth out of Egypt, and could not tarry, neither uh, had they prepared for them any victual. Now the sojourning of the children of Israel who dwelt in Egypt was 430 years. So they've been there quite a while. And it came to pass at the end of 430 years, even the selfsame day, it came to pass that all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt, it is a night to be much observed unto the Lord for bringing them out from the land of Egypt. This is that night of the Lord to be observed of all the children of Israel in their generations. I don't want to over-spiritualize a passage, but I want to share something that I think is just an interesting thought that, that uh, I, I had thought of as I was reading that particular verse. In, in the Jewish... Uh, period of time and the way God set it up. In fact, He did so from the time of creation. The Bible says that when He created on a particular day, He said that evening and morning were the first day. And in a, a Jewish day began in the evening of, of 
and the, the nighttime was the first part of the day, and then the daytime was the latter part of the day. And here he talks about this being the night of his deliverance. And I had this thought. I thought, here is the beginning of redemption. As God delivers them from this place of darkness, as God delivers them from the night, and then brings them into the day. Hold, hold, your, hold your place here for a minute. I just want to show you a couple thoughts on this. Isaiah chapter number 9. Isaiah chapter number 9. And I love these, these types of verses, how the Bible just kind of all fits together. Isn't it amazing we have a perfect book? It's almost like God planned it that way. Look with me in Isaiah chapter number 9. Look with me in verse number 2. The Bible says, The people that walked in what? Darkness have seen a great what? Light. And they that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. Can I tell you this? There's no mistake. This was the night of the Lord as God's bringing them out of darkness into light. Look with me in John chapter 1. I love this book of the Bible and I love the beginning of it. In fact, I, I think that this is probably even a verse to be used ahead of Genesis 1-1, if you will. Because it states about the fact that in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the what? What was it? It's the light of men. And the light shineth in what? Darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Can I tell you this? The Bible says that, that He has come to bring this light into the world. John says later on, he says, There was a man, verse number 6, sent from God, whose name was John. There came, the same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, capital L, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. Isn't it amazing in Matthew chapter number 5 that God says, Ye are the light of the world. He doesn't say, I am. He said, Ye are. Well, it's not our light, is it? Whose light is it? It's God's light. Isn't it interesting that God has this night of deliverance to bring them into the daytime? The Bible says this, Weeping may endure for a season. But joy, or for a night, but joy cometh what? In the morning. We got saved. God led us out of darkness into His marvelous light. And it began a life that is no longer a life of sin under the law of sin and death. But now it's a life that is to walk in the Spirit. In Psalm 119, verse number 135, the Bible says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Here in just a little bit, the Bible is going to talk about the fact that God comes and He leads the children of Israel, doesn't He? Through this wilderness, He leads them uh, by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And He leads them by His guidance. In the day that we live, God leads us too, doesn't He? Do we have a cloud out in front of us every day to show us where we're supposed to go? Or do we have a pillar of fire out there in front of us that shows us where to go? What do we have today that shows us how we ought to live? We have the Word of God. Isn't that a blessing? There's two things I believe God wrote the Scriptures for. Number one was to show us how to be saved. And number two was to show us how we're to live once we are saved. Boy, I'll tell you what. Uh, I'm thankful we've got a Bible, don't you? 
Uh, there are people today all over the world that don't even have one copy of the Scriptures. And you and I get the opportunity to pick this book up anytime we want to. And we get to read it anytime we want to. And yet how seldom it seems like we do. How little attention we seem to give it. There are people that this day, if we could provide a Bible to them in their language, would sit and devour it and feast upon it. And yet here we who have such a wonderful gift as God's Word in our hands oftentimes lay it on a dusty table somewhere. We only pick it up occasionally. Oh, that we would feast upon God's Word. In Psalm 1, he talks about the man that is the blessed man. And the blessed man not only stays away from three types of people, but he delights, the Bible says, in the law of the Lord. And then this law doth he meditate day and night. In Joshua chapter number 1, in verse number 8, he says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Can I tell you this? I don't know that this particular verse is to be spiritualized in such a way, but isn't it wonderful that God brought the children of Israel out in the nighttime and brought them into the day? Just as He did, He brought us out of sin and brought us into the glorious light of His gospel. Verse number 43, the Bible says, And the Lord said unto Moses and Aaron, This is the ordinance of the Passover. There shall no stranger eat thereof, but every man's servant that is bought for money when he has circumcised him, then shall he eat thereof. So they're not supposed to let people that are not following after the things of the Lord to be a part of this. Uh, this is somebody, that they're saying there needs to be a, a conform, there needs to be a, a faith that is put in the God of the Israelites. They show that faith in this, in this case by being circumcised. That's the outward sign of the inward faith of their heart. Verse number 45, A foreigner and a hired servant shall not eat thereof, in one house shall it be eaten. Thou shalt not carry forth aught of the flesh abroad out of the house, neither shall you break a bone thereof. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. And when a stranger shall sojourn with thee and will keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised, and then let him come near and keep it. And he shall be as one that is born in the land, for no uncircumcised person shall eat thereof. And by the way, when we take of the Lord's Supper, we don't believe that a person who is unsaved ought to partake of the Lord's Supper. They need to be someone that has had the circumcision uh, that the Bible speaks of, of the heart. Look with me, if you will, in Romans chapter number 2. Romans chapter number 2. We're going to have to probably cut the short lesson short today and pick up there next week. Romans chapter number 2, if you will, and verse number 28. Let's go down to verse 28. The Bible says, For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew which is one inwardly. And, the circum and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men but of God. Can I tell you this, that even though in the Old Testament there was an outward sign that God had given for the covenant, the reminder of the covenant, the thing that God expects now is the circumcision of the heart. For the heart to love Him with all of their heart, with all of their soul, with all of their mind. To have faith in Him. To put our trust in Him completely. This is the group that the Bible says can be a partaker of the Passover. Later on, we don't 
follow the Passover anymore. Later on, the Lord instituted a new ordinance, didn't He? During the, the time of the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, just shortly before His crucifixion, on the night just preceding the Passover, as they were partaking of the Passover meal, the Lord Jesus Christ said, I will not eat of it till I eat of it new with you in my Father's kingdom. He was establishing what we consider or what we refer to as the Lord's Supper. And can I tell you this? Once again, it ought not be partaken for those that are, by those that are strangers to the things of God, but those who by circumcision of the heart, those who have by faith trusted Him, accepted Him as their Savior by way of remembrance for His broken body and His shed blood to be reminded of the covenant that is spoken of in Hebrews chapters 7 through 9. The new covenant that God has established through His crucifixion on Calvary. Aren't you glad He was the one that bought our salvation for us? When, when man had to enter a covenant with God, when God wanted to make a covenant with man, He knew that man could not keep covenant. You and I are, you and I are flesh. You and I, are, you and I are sinful beings. The old man still wars with the Spirit. He knew that we could not keep covenant, and the penalty for not keeping covenant is death. But the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter number 7, became the surety of the new covenant. He became the co-signer. He became the one who put his name on there along the side of mine and said, When Greg is not able to keep covenant with you, God, then I'll step in for him and I'll pay that price for him. And He is the surety of the new covenant. That's how I know that I know that I know that I know that I'm on my way to heaven. There's no doubt about it. I didn't do anything to get myself saved other than put my faith and my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. And there's nothing I can do to keep myself saved. For the Lord Himself is the surety. He's the guarantor. He's the cosigner, if you will, for our salvation. Man, what a wonderful thought, isn't it? I love reading the Old Testament, the pictures that it has. They're not always perfect pictures of the things that are in the New Testament, but they're always great pictures, aren't they? To see how God has worked things in the New Testament. And I'll tell you, I, I get excited. I love reading about the Passover. I love reading about the things that God has done through it. And I hope it helps us when we think about our salvation, the redemption that's taken place. I hope it helps us to rejoice that much more in our salvation. Well, let's be dismissed in prayer, and uh, then we'll be back in about 15 or so minutes. Father, we're grateful for your word. What a joy it is to study it. Oh, Lord, what a blessing. How it stirs our hearts, how it encourages us, and causes our love for you to grow. I pray that you'll bless it and use it, help it to be used to uh, be more knowledgeable, to understand a little bit more about you, to love you more, to be drawn closer to you. Dismiss us now with your blessings. Bless in the service to come. May you speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.